the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let's talk faith.com. W262CP, Bayonet Point. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. I think it's a tremendous principle for us. If and when God says no to you, help others achieve something great for God. God has turned you down. You're not the man. You're not the woman. You're not the young person who's going to do it. Somebody else is. Your attitude must be never to be jealous of that person. But how can I help you fulfill what God wants done? That's what David did. David didn't say, you know what? If I'm not going to build the temple, then nobody's going to build it. I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go home. He didn't do that. He said, Solomon, I'll be of any help to you. You're the man. And today we call it Solomon's temple. Don't call it David's temple. Solomon's got a perpetual name identified with the temple. In basketball, those players who score the most seem to bring in the biggest paychecks. I think the owners and fans ought to pay more attention to another statistic. A triple-double is a good mark of an excellent all-around player. This player has double digits in three of five categories. The ones I notice most are points, rebounds, and assists. Of these three statistics, the assist category says more about the heart of a player than any other statistic. When a player decides to pass the ball to another player with a better shot, it is clear he is more interested in the team winning the game than in making a name for himself as a scorer. In the same way, a truly devoted follower of Christ wants God's name glorified, and it makes no difference what role he or she plays in achieving that goal. It is good to have you here today for Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We have been studying the life of David. In our last class, we came to chapter 7 of 2 Samuel. In this chapter, we find the account of a time when David wanted to do something special for God. He wanted to build a temple to house the Ark of the Covenant, but God told him no. David's response to this disappointment is a great example for us. Let's get started now and see how David reacted to God's rejection of his offer. See, God often uses the, his denials to redirect our lives. And you need to rest in, his, in, in the wonderful truth that God really knows what's best. God just hadn't called David to be a temple builder, but rather he called him to be a king and a warrior. And God hasn't called all of us to do certain things that maybe we want to do. And you need to stop being disappointed with his plan for you. Some of us are disappointed with God's plan for us, but you need to see how David reacted to it. And we'll get to that in just a moment. How did David react to this? God was encouraging him by this. But this, this plays over many times in our lives. I read recently about a, um, a missionary couple who had to leave China in the 1940s uh, for a number of reasons, poor health, uh, but also physical danger. 
in China at this time as, as the communist, communism took over and so forth. Now talk about a death of a vision. They had planned all their lives to go to China and now they were coming home and they returned home broken in health, broken financially, basically homeless, uh, exhausted, and a very, very difficult time. And in, instead, of, um, instead of being on the fil- field, they took God's no as an opportunity of redirection. And you know what they did? This couple poured, uh, uh, eventually they got some money. He was a medical uh, uh, missionary. And uh, they poured their money into um, organizing a ministry to provide homes for returning missionaries. God said no to one thing, but he had another plan for them. Another wonderful plan. And God does that to redirect our lives. So, so now, now you know the background. How do you respond to the denials of God? Well, how did David respond? I would encourage you to write this down. Number one, David pondered God's blessings in his life. He thought about how God had blessed him. Notice verses 18 through 21. Then David the king went in. This is after he's told, no. David the king went in, sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what's my house that thou hast brought me this far? And yet this was, this was insignificant in thine eyes, O Lord God, for thou hast spoken also of the house of thy servant concerning the distant future. And this is the custom of, and this is the custom. Actually, it should be a question. Is this the custom of, of man, O Lord God? The answer is no, it's not the custom of men to do this. And again, what more can David say to thee? For thou knowest thy servants, O Lord God, for the sake of thy word and according to thine own heart, thou hast done all this greatness and let thy servant know. Now, let me tell you what, what he's doing. Instead of sulking in disappointment over the loss of his vision, David got before the Lord. Now, that ought to be a, a tremendous truth to grab hold of anyway, uh, just before you, you know anything else. Tremendous truth. When God said no to David, the king ran and sat at his feet. It's a great truth. The king ran to him and sat at his feet. There's no bitterness. There's no anger. There's no, Lord, do you know what you're doing? None of that. No resentment. Instead of being crushed, here he was trusting God like a little child. He's the great king of Israel. He's trusting God like a little child. And instead of dwelling on the denial, he focuses now on God's goodness and God's blessings to him. That's tremendous. Instead of thinking about what God would not let him do in building the temple, he's thinking about how God was using him. He said, look, you took me from a lowly shepherd. I was a poor shepherd. I was just out in the, in the Bethlehem wilderness with these silly, dumb sheep. And now look at me. I'm king of Israel. Maybe I can't build the temple, but Lord, what you've done is amazing. I come from a poor family. And, and look at me. And what's more, from me, kings are going to come forth. The Messiah is going to come forth. A dynasty that will never end is going to come forth. That's amazing. And that's why it says, is this the way of men? With, with men, the answer is, of course not. Men do not exalt people like this. They don't bestow honor on the lowly, but God does. So what he's doing is he's pondering how God has worked in his life. It's as if he's reflecting before God and just saying, uh, it's, it's amazing. Maybe I can't do this, but, but I'm thinking back and seeing how you've taken me and how far I've come. And it's incredible. I think this speaks so much to us because I wonder if in your disappointment of not doing what you had hoped to do, that you've ever just sat before the Lord and thought about his grace in your life, that he has saved you, where he's brought you, 
how he's worked in your life, how he has used you, how he is using you. Some wonderful things are, are happening. And you need to just think about it. You need to ponder these things. I wonder if you've ever just thought how far God has brought you in your life. So you see, instead of dwelling on what you're not doing, think about what God has enabled you to do. And have you ever thanked him for it? That was David's attitude. Instead of thinking about what you haven't been able to do, what have you been able to do? And all of it is of grace. All of it is of grace. I look back and this week I thought about disappointments in my life. I thought about things that as a a very young man, um, I thought by the time I reached this age, there would be greater things coming forth. And um, I look back and and I think, you know, I'm just a little Jewish guy from Brooklyn. That's just amazing. I'm teaching 400 Gentiles every week about Jesus. I mean, that that is God's grace. You know, just the other week I was playing in the Flappish Little League, it seems, and here I am teaching the Bible. That is remarkable. And, and that's what I mean. I mean, you just have to think about where God has taken you. So instead of dwelling on what you're not allowed to do, what, are, what have you been allowed to do? What are you doing? I think that's tremendous. So you ought to be excited about what God has done for you and uh, not hurt over what he's not allowed you to do. That's what David said. So the first response to God's no is to ponder his blessings in your life. Just think about it. We often don't. We are, we're often very negative. Second, the second response to God's no is to praise his, his sovereignty and his goodness. To just praise him for being all-knowing, all-wise, all-sovereign, and, and all-good. Notice verses 22 through 24. For this reason, David says, just praising God. Thou art great, O Lord God. For there is none like thee, and there is no God besides thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation on the earth is like thy people Israel, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, and to make a name for himself, and to do a great thing for thee, and awesome things for thy land, before thy people whom thou hast redeemed for thyself from Egypt, from nations, and their gods. For thou hast established for thyself thy people Israel as thine own people forever, and thou, O Lord, hast become their God. Now, this is a guy who's just been told, you can't build something for me. And look, he's just praising. He's still sitting in God's presence, which probably means, uh, I, I don't know that he was physically sitting. It may be that, but I think it's more likely that he just went into the tent of the, the tabernacle and just sat before quietly before the Lord or was still in his presence. And David chose now to praise God for being so sovereign and good in his relationship with Israel. Why, why Israel? Why is that? Well, in the previous passage, in connection with David having an eternal throne and kingdom, it's over Israel. It's a physical Israel. That's why this is all tied together. It isn't that, you know, if you have a throne in a kingdom, who are you going to rule? It's over physical Israel. I, I think there's a tremendous application here. As we think about the, um, the course of events in our lives, the denials, the disappointments, the unfulfilled dreams, can you praise God for being good and sovereign? David did. Can you just praise God for how good he's been to you? That's what David is doing. Can you praise him for his sovereign leading, for his wisdom? David did, and, and he recognized that God is good even when things happen to us that we may not think is good. I think that's the, the test of really praising God. 
God is good even when good things don't happen to you. God is good. And we need to praise him for that. Have you done that? Have you praised God when you wanted something and the answer was no? The Bible says in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Some people want to know, what is God's will? Well, it's very simple. One thing we know it's God's will is to thank him. To thank him. You see, God is still good, even if he turns down your dream. Gives us great insight as to how to respond to our disappointments. Stop being introspective. And thinking about yourself and and force yourself to praise God. David did not sit there and say, woe is me. Look at this. What's going to happen with this temple? Why was I turned down? Why it, it must be something wrong? Let me look in my heart and turn myself inside out and find. He just said, "God, I praise you that you're sovereign. I praise you that that you're wise, you're good." Can you praise him like that? Can you actually, in your hurt, praise him and, and acknowledge him as good to you, even if you cannot understand at this point why he's turned you down? That's that's called trust. If if you knew it all. If you knew why, then it wouldn't be trust. Don't turn inward, but start praising God. Say, I don't feel like praising God. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. You see, the goal of life is not to have our desires fulfilled. I know we sometimes think that way. It's not to have that. The goal of life, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 9, Paul said, this is our ambition. Whether we're with the Lord or whether we're here on earth, and that is, our ambition is, you want to know this? To be pleasing to him. That's it. To be pleasing to him. The goal of life is not to have our desires fulfilled, but to please the Lord by obeying his desires, his word. That's the goal of life. It's not to make you or me happy. It's not to make us satisfied. It's not to make us fulfilled. The goal of life is to please the Lord. And we need to praise him. So how do we respond to God's no? Ponder his blessings. Think about it. Get alone with God. And you need to do this. You need to make sure that you don't hear this message and go, isn't that interesting? And then never do anything about it. Get alone with God and ponder how good he's been to you. If you need to, write, him, write it down. Secondly, praise his sovereignty and goodness. Just praise God because he really is sovereign. In other words, believe your beliefs. You theologically believe God is sovereign. You should, at least. The Bible is very clear on this. God is all controlling. God is totally in charge. Praise him, even if you don't understand what he's doing. Praise him for his sovereignty and his goodness. Whatever God does is good, and he's sovereign. Now, the third way to respond to God's no is pray for his will to be done. Notice verses 25 through 29. Now, therefore, O Lord God... The word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and his house, confirm it forever and do as thou hast spoken. That thy name may be magnified forever by saying the Lord of hosts is God over Israel. And may the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Lord uh, of hosts, the God of Israel has made a revelation to thy servant saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, thy servant has found courage to pray this prayer to thee. And now, O Lord God, thou art God, and thy words are truth, and thou hast promised this good thing to thy servant. Now, therefore, may it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken, and with thy blessing, may the house of thy servant be blessed forever. 
from praising God for his sovereign goodness, David now proceeds to pray to God, asking him to fulfill his promise. And what he just said he would do, David said, Lord, would you do it? Would you get on with it? God, you promised to build a continual house of kings for, uh, from me. Now I ask you to do it as you said you would. Now what do we learn from David's prayer? What do we learn from David's prayer in light of God's denial? Well, we learn, for one thing, that David is really excited about God's will for his life. He's excited about it because he realizes the Lord has something better for him than building a temple. Would you not agree that having the Messiah come through your line, having an eternal throne, having an eternal kingdom, having a dynasty that never ends is better than building a temple, a one-time temple? I would think so. David's really excited about this. God has something better for him than building a a temple. And he's just urging God to, to do what you said you would do, Lord. Now, David is totally at rest in what God wants to do with his life. And so he's praying to that end. And he's got the right perspective. Notice in verse 26, he, he asked God to fulfill his plan uh, so that your name will be magnified. Get the right perspective. Lord, this is what's best. You're going to be more glorified. You do this. Now, how about you? Are you so crushed by what God won't let you do that you cannot pray for what God has called you to do? God does have a plan for you. And some of us are, are so fighting in our spirits, our hearts, what we're not allowed to do, that we're not getting on with what we should do. What does God want you to do? Whatever he wants you to do, find it and then do it and ask God to fulfill it in your life. See, there's another great truth that comes out of God's no to David. It's not in this passage, but I want to I just add it because I think it's so significant. Years later, when Solomon was about to build the temple, you know what David would do? David was still alive. Solomon hadn't built it yet, but he was about to. Great passage of scripture. First Chronicles 29, verse 2. Now with all my ability, this is what David is saying. I have provided for the house of my God the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, the wood for the things of wood, uh, onyx stones and inlaid stones, stones of antimony and stones of various colors and, and all kinds of precious stones and alabaster in abundance. You know what? It's a tremendous truth. David was busy getting things ready. He wasn't going to build the temple, but he was helping Solomon in whatever way he could by getting the, the materials ready whenever Solomon would build it. I think it's a tremendous principle for us. If and when God says no to you, help others achieve something great for God. God has turned you down. You're not the man. You're not the woman. You're not the young person who's going to do it. Somebody else is. Your attitude must be never to be jealous of that person. But how can I help you fulfill what God wants done? That's what David did. David didn't say, you know what? If I'm not going to build the temple, then nobody's going to build it. I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go home. He didn't do that. He said, Solomon, I'll be of any help to you. You're the man. And today we call it Solomon's temple. Don't call it David's temple. Solomon's got a perpetual name identified with the temple. And uh, if you can't go to the mission field, then can you help others to go? In whatever capacity that means, if you can't begin a great ministry, then can you help others do it? If you can't do something in the church, can you help others who are more equipped for it? 
And whatever it is, can you help others? Can you pour your energy into, into helping others do what you think is significant, but God said you're not the one to do it? I see that as a tremendous, tremendous truth for us. See, there's an old saying, a real servant of God doesn't care who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory. That's really deep. That's really deep. A real servant of God does not care who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory. Tremendous truth. So when God says no to you, it isn't time for despair. He may not give you a spouse. He may not give you a ministry. He may not give you a business venture. He may not give you a career you were thinking of. He may not answer those prayers. It isn't a time, though, for despair. It's a time to ponder his blessing. It's a time to get alone with him and think, I may not have this, but I have this. Lord, thank you. And then you praise him for his sovereignty and his goodness. God has not called us to do everything. He's just called us to be faithful to whatever he wants us to do. And you need to praise him for his sovereignty and goodness. And then pray for his will to be done. What does God want you to do? Then get busy doing it. And pray that God would enable you, in which we know he will. And then just do it. So let, let God take these truths. Let him apply it to your life today and your heart and be encouraged to get on with serving the Lord in whatever area he's called you. You know, there are tremendous needs in our church ministry. Michelle and I were just talking about this yesterday. Tremendous needs. And if you want to see God bless this work and you want to see it grow, you're going to have to help. Many of you do more than you need to and others do absolutely nothing. You need to all be a part of it. What does God want you to do? So you don't sit here and say, oh, God said then no. You, know, you get in the battle and you find out what God wants you to do. You can't do everything, but you can do something. David, you can't be a builder, but you can be the one who's going to produce kings. That's what I want from you. And God has something special for you. You need to get active. This is your church. You need to get active and do something. Now, David was excited. You know how many years ago this was? About 3,000 years ago. David was excited about this promise that God made to him. And you know what? This promise still affects us today. David may not have understood everything about this, but he did understand that he would have an eternal throne and one would sit on that throne and that one who will eventually sit on that throne as he comes to this earth and sits in Jerusalem and reigns over this, uh, this world will be the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. That's the promise. And you know what? You know why... He's going to be able to do that because he did something far greater. He died for your sins. He came to earth the first time and he paid the price for your sin. Christ died and he rose again. And David, in fact, even predicted this, that he would not allow the Holy One to see corruption. His body did not, uh, was not corrupted, did not decay. Jesus Christ is David's greatest son. And you know why he's his greatest son? Because he did the greatest act, and that was to die on the cross for you. So if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have to figure out what does God want you to do in terms of great things. All you need to know is that the one thing God wants you to do is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to trust him as the only way to heaven and trust with an attitude of repentance towards your sin and, uh, and trusting him alone. Thank you for listening today to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff has been teaching from the life of David. I hope that what we have heard in the last two classes will help you for those times when God says no. Remember that whether God tells us yes or no, 
both responses are from an all-knowing heart of love. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where he has been serving for more than 27 years. The radio versions of his message are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. Here is Pastor Steve to tell us a little more about this ministry and how you can get involved if God leads you to do so. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff, and it's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you receive on Verse by Verse. We believe that the Word of God has answers for problems. We know that life has stresses, life has pressures. We're looking for answers. We believe that the place to look is the Word of God, and we are uh, grateful every time we hear that someone is listening to the radio, and uh, our program has been transformed by by Scripture because uh, the Word of God is not only inspired, but Paul said it is profitable, and it will transform lives. So we're grateful that uh, we could come into your home, into your car, and and help you deal with life's pressures. If you've been blessed through verse by verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714. Or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 337 That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. To learn more about Verse by Verse Ministries or to listen to previous broadcasts, visit our website, Verse by Verse Radio. That's Verse by Verse Radio, all one. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.